Welcome everyone to Dear Warren Podcast, where we do backseat parenting. We share stories, principles, parables, and lessons, and pass them down to my son Warren. But most importantly, we try to have fun. You can reach us at Dear Warren Podcast at Gmail, Instagram, and on Facebook. This episode features our good friend Erica Salerno. Erica is a lawyer. Uh, an advocate for women and girls, and once ran in a 5K after a 10-course meal in order to impress the villagers in her husband's remote Italian town. And we actually get into this story and a lot more, including her unique and varied path and side quests she took into becoming a lawyer, uh, sharing that lesson with Warren, as well as some of her insight into training jiu-jitsu and so, so much more. So let's get to it. And please enjoy this episode with our guest, Erica Salerno. This is the Dear Warren Podcast. And we're on. Hi, Erica. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. <laughs> and uh, once again, I, com- I continue the streak of guests of who have come, who have uh, trained jiu-jitsu with us and congratulations on your recent promotion to blue belt yes thank you i feel like i don't you know it's always weird like every time that i even when i was getting stripes i just felt like no this is not the right time like i'm not good enough for this i just want to have a plain white belt <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it's really awesome and it's so fantastic to train at north south and karen is just and adam have been like such game changers for me given my job everything is very stressful and mm. You know, actually, I, I don't even know that I would have ended up doing my free trial um, because I had contacted North-South. I gave the phone call and Adam didn't pick up right away. I guess the phone goes right to his cell or something like that. Um, the call goes right to his cell mm-hmm. and he actually called me back and I okay. was about to go. I was called in between court. I'm a lawyer, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> so I was in between things and I made a call and I wanted to see about the free trial and I needed to do it that minute. And he missed the call. And then he called back. And you, he was, you needed to do it that minute, well, as in like, the call or the trial? <laughs> no, no, like the, the call. Like I was like, oh, I should do this free trial. It sounds awesome. Okay. Um, I'll get into like why I was interested in martial arts and getting back into it in a little bit. But it was really kind of funny because I was like, I don't know, I don't know if I, you know, should do this. It's been a long time since I've done something this physical. And, um, you know, I made the call and I kind of hung up quickly and he didn't pick up right away. <laughs> and then I was about to go back to what I was doing at my job. And I was like, ah, it's not for me, whatever. Mm-hmm. I made the call. I didn't, he didn't pick up. It doesn't matter. But then he called back right away and he was like, ah, I saw this call. You're interested in jujitsu. And I said, yes, actually I'm really interested. And he was like, well, great. You should come down tonight, come down tomorrow. Forget how the timeline worked out. But, mm-hmm. um, thanks to his call back. Yes. It all took off from there. So, like, my initial apprehension was, you know, allayed by the fact that, you know, I guess it was meant to be. As well, okay. You know? You so. you would uh, mention that, oh, I, I don't know if it, it, you said, uh, well, what was the phrase, not for you. What do you mean by you didn't think it was not for you? I think that, you know, it's yoga is for everyone, right? Like, it's easy to come in, like, just move your it's body. It's not for me. You should, <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm a, like a red oak, 100-year... <laughs> They make fun of my squat. They still do. <laughs> it's gotten a lot better. Well, you should come. Oh. I teach every Sunday. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, uh, not for you or for, for everyone, yoga for everyone. I think it's easier to say, okay, you should go take a walk on a treadmill. You should go run around the park. You know, it's a lot easier mm. to do these non 
contact-based sports where it's okay. just you. Um, oh, you should try Pilates. Great. Yes. I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you tell people you should try jujitsu. Someone may put you in a chokehold and you'll be trapped <laughs> under someone's crotch. You know, it's a different. <laughs> it, it's it's very up close and personal. And it's not something that uh, I guess it's, it's very, you don't encounter uh, a lot socially generally in public right so. right you know you're not talking in casual conversation at the dinner table and someone says frequently people say oh you know i'm doing this workout class mm-hmm. we're doing weightlifting or we're doing you know crunches and you know no one says oh mm-hmm. i'm also training jujitsu yes <laughs> so i think there was some apprehension like can i do this is mm. is it for me mm-hmm. um you know i think there was some like hedging um about whether or not I should get into it and, and pursue it. So I think, you know, it was cool because it was meant to be that I called and, you know, I was like, ah, he didn't pick up right away. It's not for me. <laughs> then he called right back and was like, well, yes, I saw your missed call. So mm-hmm. when are you coming in? Um, and that was, that was cool. But yeah, so I guess my larger point was we were talking about getting promoted and, mm. you know, I think that... Um, you just feel like you're never going to be good enough at it, kind of. Too. We were it's talking a bit about yeah. it before the podcast yeah. that it, it, it's it's quite the feeling where I think you said that you were uh, caught a bit off guard, right? Or, quote, uh, you didn't feel you were ready for it. Was that what it was? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like I said, with every stripe, I mm-hmm. didn't feel like I was worthy of that. You know, I don't ah. know. It's a weird thing. Like, mm-hmm. to think maybe like you know, having gone through law school and they really, you know, the whole process of law school, it's a Socratic method. You get torn down a lot. And I Hmm. think that really screws with your ego. Interesting. So I think that every time you do something right or you, I don't know, excel at something Uh or you're due for a promotion, you kind of feel like this is a joke. This isn't for real. I don't deserve this. So... So uh, whenever you do, quote, let's say, level up uh, in, in law school, does it ever feel like, oh, yeah, I, I, I deserved it? Or did something just happen like during those, quote, level up periods where they, as you said, they, they tore you down or well, they just made you feel like this, this is not you're not serious, are you? Or like what happened? I think the whole construct <laughs> of law school is such that um, I'm trying to think of the right way to explain it. You come in from college and everyone wants to hear your opinions. You go to, um, let's say you're majoring in liberal arts in college. Mm-hmm. People want to know, what did you think about this passage in this book? What did you think about this quote hmm. or whatever? When you get into law school, um, they just cold call you. And maybe you didn't really understand um, the assignment from the night before. The way it works in law school is you're given a textbook with cases and you read the cases and it's up to you to figure out what the salient point or Mm -hmm. the rule of law is from that case. And if you didn't understand it or you got the wrong takeaway Mm. and you get called on and you get cold called and you're wrong, you know, it just feels like garbage because the teacher will immediately say, no, that's not it, you know, and cut you down. Yeah. So you don't, it's not about what you feel or how you interpret it. Are these, are these all the, like the advanced courses in law school too, or this is just every single day from like day one, or do they kind of like ease up on you later on? I think exactly. I think it's the reverse. I think the first two years are Mm -hmm. the worst and the third year you kind of get some slack to Got choose your courses and so you, oh so it's, do you think they were just trying to like weed out the people who like just probably weren't quote cut out for it unfortunately you know I don't, I don't know if that's the right way to say it but you kind you kind of have to have a, a certain uh knack to get through all, all of those school especially as you said they, they cold call, just boom yeah. out of nowhere and just cut you down right there which is probably not something that uh, everyone goes through in life you know yeah i think i think that's interesting because i was actually my dad and i were chatting this morning he's mm-hmm. a, he's a physician and apparently in med school you're 
not allowed to do that anymore. Like you can't beat people down. You have to be kind to them <laughs> when you're teaching them. But lawyers, we have our own set of rules and every professor I think now internalizes it and does something different. But my first year, my first class was contracts. You know, you learn how people make contracts for building, for selling goods, for anything like that. And um, I remember being totally a fish out of water the night before that first class, reading the cases. It was like reading, you know, um, a foreign language and just showing up. And I got cold cold called. The um, professor Mm -hmm. said, Salerno, we're talking about, you know... I wish I could remember the name. It was so traumatic that I should remember it. But he mentioned the name of the case, and he was like, "What was the holding in? Oh, Ray versus Urici. Okay. What was the What was the holding in that case? I have no and I clue, was sir. Like, <laughs> I can't think. I can't think. My mind is blank. Like, uh-huh. and I had wrote, wrote down something, written down some things, and I mm. did have an idea. But in that moment, just like having my last name screamed out across like the amphitheater, and I was just like in a cold sweat. My armpits are wet, and I'm just mm. like, <laughs> I don't know my own name right now. Yes. So. Man, the ner- that's that's uh, uh, performance pressure, right? right? Just right. right under the gun, all eyes, all ears on you. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was probably like everyone in the class was kind of like dreading it and expecting it. And then like... It gets deflected like spotlights, at yeah. yeah, spotlights <laughs> on each person. And then you're like, oh, please, not me, please. And then boom, on you. Mm-hmm. Jeez. So. So that, so there, there were probably echoes of that where it's... Well, well I, I'd like to think that it's a lot, it's a bit different when it comes to jujitsu where, yeah. oh, where you don't, you, don't, you don't get called out. You don't get, you know, but at the same, it, it, it's every single time that you're on the mat, you have your own personal battles that you have to deal with. Yeah. And I that think you got through and, uh, uh, weathered through the storm and progressed to the point you, you got your promotion <laughs> and right. the show shock from law school is like, Oh, I, I can't enjoy this as much. <laughs> no, I think that it trains you to never just accept that you are doing the right thing kind of, which is weird. Um, because even the, the exams mm. like law school, you have one final at the end of the semester and it's written like to compile all of the rules of law that you've learned by reading cases throughout the entire semester. And like, let's say um, you're doing, you know, contracts, they'll come up with some convoluted thing uh, where, you know, someone is selling goods, but gets bodged. And then there's all these intervening factors. And it's just a very like loaded, you know, thing. And you Mm -hmm. have to sort through it and apply the rules and figure out what would be the legal result at the end of the case. Um, But the, the way that the whole exam is rigged is that you never know that you're succeeding. You're like, sometimes, you know, you're getting the right answers on the exam. You're like, yep, that's right. I know that A is the right answer. B is the right answer, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when you're writing that law school exam, you're just like, I have no idea. You walk away from it. You're like, I could fail. I think at the end of my first semester, I started looking for jobs. Like I went on like LinkedIn and I was just like trying to figure out like what my next step would be. Mm Because that's the whole nature of the beast, um, you know, with law school. And then even with the bar exam, I took the bar exam next to a guy who was just swearing. Like he had Tourette's the whole time. Like he would Wait, be like, like actual Tourette's or it's no, just like he swore exam, so much. Exam that. based, exam, you know, exam anxiety Tourette's. Why did they include the, the, what is it? F all of the above or G none of the above. <laughs> he was looking for F because that was the word he kept saying. He was like, where is <laughs> and he would shrug his shoulders. He would scroll down the page with like the bar exam is a big booklet and you have a, like, you know, the Scantron thing. Uh-huh. And so he's going through, 
through the whole thing and he's see, every see, other every see, other question is like oh, I don't know this I don't know this and oh, so, just out loud out loud <laughs> verbally and I'm sitting next to this guy do you think do you think he was a, do you think he was a plant you know maybe they know. do that to like fuck with the other students just just the one guy just to act all in, the yeah. fuck I didn't start I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna succeed and everyone's like shut the fuck up man. that's what we're all thinking anyway <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> yeah anyway yes okay <sighs> Whew, your bar uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, test Base yelling out. Go on. I don't know. It, it, so, you got through it, though. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that the whole thing is that after you go through like three years mm. of just having your soul crushed, you know, anything else. Oh, you, man. You know, I also think it's like in our society, like with mm. women, we get broken down a lot easier. We're sorry. Mm. We're sorry all the time. Why are we sorry? You know, mm. and then we doubt ourselves. Whereas a guy is like, oh, yeah, I totally aced the bar exam. You know, a lot of guys I talked to had so much confidence going out of that exam. But um, I feel like every girl I talked to is like, oh, I totally failed. I'm like, I failed worse. You know, so I think that a lot of it is our like the cultural indoctrination that we have mm. as young girls. We're, I don't know why, but we're sorry for everything. And it's a bad habit I have myself. Um, you know, we're sorry. We can't accept you know, that we've done something good. And even if we're not sorry, Mm-hmm. We're, we're sorry anyway because it's something that just comes out of our mouths and you know a guy gets a promotion at work or passes an exam i knew i was smart i knew i could do that a girl's like i have no idea how i did that when mm-hmm. reality it's like well we studied 10 times harder and yeah, we did yeah. all this work so i think that's like something that i wish i could unlearn personally and i think it carries through into jujitsu it carries through into a lot of things that i do it carries but, into jujitsu how so like with the promotion like you know i feel i'm you know <sighs> not mm. confident like oh every time i'm like you know what should i do with my arm here like am i doing the chokehold right you know but you just have to go for it sometimes and i i feel like i struggle with that a lot um i've overcome it with the work that i do because mm. it's really i've been in the fire with like a lot of cases i handle mm. and i need to just project confidence even if mm-hmm. i don't have it but it just peeks through in like a lot of other aspects of my personal life and happened in law school and i think you know carries through into jujitsu somehow which is really terrible and not not well, great but well there's 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 something to be said there of um and you can let me know if you if you think uh this uh is the correct parallel because one of the things that uh one of the tenants or one of the, the the things that they push about jujitsu is uh humble and humility mm-hmm. and obviously being able to say that you're sorry or like or you're you come from the the vantage point like ooh, you know well, you know, all things equal, I'm, I was probably wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's it could be. It be I know where you were coming from as far as uh, that cultural indoctrination, but then when you draw the, to the peril of jujitsu, it's 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 a double edged sword. Where one, it's like yes, the confidence part, but then the other part, it's kind of like you already have a bit of that lesson that some, you know, as you were saying, like some guys need that smack in the head and learn how to be humble or learn how to uh, have a, a bit of humility right. as well too. Obviously, you had yours through that the the shock of like Salerno, you know, being <laughs> cold called in and and. Uh, in, in, in law school, but then a bit of this thing with, with jujitsu as, as you're learning, as, as you go through and you, and you're asking yourself of, Oh, where does my hand go here? Oh, how, how do I do this pass? But at the same time, it's like, that's, it's in a way cool Mm -hmm. in the sense of you're asking the questions, because if you ask those questions, those questions can actually be, be answered. And you, you, your mind is always 
ready to receive information as opposed to there could be the the opposite of that super confident i don't need to know this this thing i'll put my hand like i learned this already i know where to put my and then like right right you know not learning yeah, anymore absolutely. so i don't know if, if that parallel of yes coming from your position of of apologizing a lot but but could it also be uh, a strength as in the uh humility or being humble as far as in the jujitsu part no i think it's totally a double-edged sword you have to have the right balance like you said mm-hmm. it is a double-edged sword but you want to have that good balance where like you need to be able to listen and be open to learning things <coughs> And not having the answers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also need to, when you do progress, I think that you need to be able to kind of accept that you've done something, you know, mm-hmm. that's good. And, and, and that it's you marked on you now. You get you have to wear it every single time. <laughs> I know, I don't want to. There's no, there's not, there's not a badge or anything. You can't hide. It's like, oh. <laughs> and as, as, as you get darker in colors now, and then other people will be asking you, oh, Erica, how did you do that? Mm-hmm. And you'll be like, oh, crap. All right, I got to know this now. I really got to exactly. know Exactly. I can't now. get beaten up by white belts anymore. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's. I, I think that's. A, if there's one thing I could say about like, if you move up in ranks, you 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 don't have to worry about the. Oh, that means I can't get beat up by someone on uh, the lower ranks, dude. Mm-hmm. As you feel, everyone at at North South, especially at our school, like everyone are like, they got a a good number of them have that like killer mentality. Yeah. Like all of them are good, no yeah. matter what level. So it's kind of like you can't fall asleep ever. Yeah, so. we've gotten some really new good people lately oh, who have caught God. on super quickly. Yes. So. And that's, you know, that's, that's credit to them. It's also credit to the instruction as well, too. Absolutely. That, uh, and the, and the, and the learning environment that they're able to, uh, learn safely and progress as, mm-hmm. as they are, as you know, you were part of a whole crop of, uh, promotions that all of us are proud of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and going through that, you were also mentioning too, that, um, as far as with the, the, the martial arts base, I think we were talking a little about before mm-hmm. the podcast of that promotion where you were, you were just, you go through your emotions, you train hard, you roll hard, and then one day it's bestowed upon you. You were mentioning a bit about when you were talking with your dad mm-hmm. and his track in martial arts as well, too, which I didn't know yeah, that yeah. he was, if you want to talk a, a little bit. Oh, about sure. It. Yeah. No, my, my dad is, he's, the funny thing growing up is that everyone, you know, maybe they watch uh, football or baseball, but my dad's thing has always been martial arts, you know, and that doesn't really translated into like being able to go to school and saying oh you know my dad and i went to like a softball game Mm -hmm. or like we went and did that but like this thing you know that people do on a more regular basis i would say um my dad in college i think when he was maybe like 20 got really into um karate and Mm -hmm. he did a special form of karate called shukukai uh karate and his instructor was was this guy um actually we have a grip the kimura grip his instructor's name was kimura um, huh. he, he was from Japan and he was like this old school. Did you like, ask, did you ask him about it? Did, is, I, is, is it, never is it the Kimura? <laughs> I, I wonder, I mean, you know, the history behind that, right? I don't know. There was, uh, one of the, 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 the founders, one of the founders of Jiu-Jitsu, Elio Gracie, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. uh, fought against, uh, 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 I think he's, he was a judo, judocon or oh, maybe, or maybe it could have been whoever you were guy, talking yeah. about. I don't know. We have to go into it further, but his name was Kimura mm-hmm. and they fought in a, in a, I don't know if it was no holds barred, like full contact match or just a grappling match, but they mm-hmm. fought for like over an hour. Wonder. And Helio uh, uh, got caught in a quote, innovative arm lock at the time. And he had to tap. 
I wonder, it was, I wonder. It, it was the Kimura. I wonder. No, I really mm. do because it's like, I guess we're not using Google now or I can't text my dad. I can't phone a friend. You might yes. want to have my dad we're, on the we're, show. <laughs> we're we're um. a Google-free show. We, we, like to, we like to keep it that way. We'll state that because it's backseat parenting. So yes. obviously you just have to bring, bring up information that like... It could be true. Could be true. Could no be not. <laughs> but you stick with it. You feel like it's, you it's your it, emotional you truth. Pu- you push it onto your kid. No. <laughs> this, this is, is my truth. <laughs> it's yours too now. No. <laughs> but yes. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, so that was my... Tw- like how long uh, training? My dad. So yeah. my dad is now 60. So 40 Jeez. years. Yeah. He mm. did it for a really long time. Mm-hmm. He's a black belt in, mm-hmm. in that form of karate. And um, the, I remember when the instructor died, it was like, a really big thing i was probably like about 10 or 11 years old and you know my dad was like really you know broken up about it because he was probably like 40 at that time so mm-hmm. he'd been training with this guy for like 20 years and you know i just remember growing up in that environment where like this is something important to do like you may do your job and you know i think you know doing your i don't know it's like maybe some guys play like sports they do soccer they have a fantasy football thing but martial arts is you know it just has like a whole different discipline structure especially during that time yeah i guess it was the old, martial arts old was school like, it was old school and also at the same time I, I think martial arts wasn't as publicly accepted then this right. is probably way before the time of like bruce lee or something or maybe just as bruce lee it's was funny hitting. that you mentioned bruce lee because mm. my, my dad is italian american he's a sicilian guy and he looks mm. he literally looks like the italian bruce lee and to this day like he's okay. in that kind of shape he he has Ooh. the hair. He had the haircut for a very long time. Okay, and he had the whole thing going. As soon as, soon as you said the shape, because Bruce Lee was was no, in my... prime for a, like a one thirty five, one forty pounder. He was yep. shredded. That's my dad. My dad, yeah. when I was growing up, like mm-hmm. was just like a maniac. Like you know, yeah. he trained all the time, and he had all the equipment in the basement too. He had like a thing that he would punch. It was made of wood and leather, and we just hear him like wailing on it in the basement, just like screaming as he was punching. And like wow, he he's just he was. Pr- it's pretty impressive, you know. Not only was he successful personally and is successful in his, you know, career, mm-hmm. but um, he was just an extremely talented martial artist. And then he got into Taekwondo from there, did that for a number of years, got his black belt there. Look at this. Then after that, he moved on to jujitsu when I was, I don't know, maybe like 15 or so in like the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he trained with this guy and um, who's now in Fairlawn. And oh, uh, performance? Lou. 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 Yeah. Yep, yep. Lou Vintelora. So he's yes. known Lou forever. Uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lou was Mike Merkulik's teacher. And oh, Merkulik okay. was, was Adam's me. And, uh, yeah, Lope, yeah. and then got Adam up until uh, like Purple Belt. And then eventually Adam went to, to, to Clockwork. So, wow. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, so my dad is, um, he, it took him forever because he trained under one of the Gracies, I forget. One of the Gracies was affiliated with Lou or something like that. I don't uh, remember the Hoyler. exact. Hoyler. Yes, yes. And so my dad was like, I'll never get my black belt here. I got to go like spend like a year in Brazil or something. Because I think at the time it was more of like a hierarchical like mm-hmm. structure. You know, I think it took him over two years to get his blue belt. So when I got promoted this week and I texted him and he was like, what did you do to get promoted? <laughs> 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 He was kind of like, how did you get... Hey, wait a second. <laughs> I had to break boards for my first karate... Bl- <laughs> He's like, my knuckles are bleeding, and I was reading books, and <laughs> you get your blue belt, what the hell? <laughs> but... Is that what it, that was probably a topic of conversation for for a while, right? Or he's just he's just like proud of you, good job. No, he's he's really impressed. He's like mm-hmm. throughout my life, like I've trained with him on and off, like throughout the various studios that he's gone to. 
with the karate. I did that for a little while. Mm. Um, I did, you know, go to jujitsu with him, which was, you know, it's just awkward with your, you know, it's just weird. You know, I can see tackling that. your dad, it just mm-hmm. doesn't, something doesn't feel right that you're trying to choke him to death. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, it, it was probably something that you wanted to like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I got to do this on my, on my terms. own, on my, t- my own terms. Nice. Exactly. Yep. Um, and I actually, you know, um, early on when I first started going to North South, I was like, you know, I should contact Lou. I should go do that. And, you know, maybe do a one-on-one with him. And so I went down to Farallon, did a session with him. But funny thing is, like, the great vibe, like, and it's not to be disparaging about anyone at all, mm-hmm. but it is still such a male-dominated sport. Yes. But you mm-hmm. don't feel it as distinctly at North-South because it's so egalitarian and, and Karen is just such an amazing force there. They, and they also hold uh, the, the women's only class. Of course, yes. And they also have, like, a women's only open mat from time to time, so. Yeah, yeah. Karen has her girl gang from New York. They come by. It's <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I came to train at performance, um, there was a party going on as well. Mm. And they were like, oh, are you the babysitter? The kids are all in the back of the... Oh. St- and I was like, no, I'm here to train. Mm. <laughs> but, you know. I have a similar story of... Uh, and this is just a uh, kind of... When Jess listens to it, just to make her... Oh, why do, why do you always keep telling this story? But <laughs> it, it's so it's so funny to me that... Uh, back back at the previous school, there was a party going mm-hmm. on. And there were a bunch of new students around. And this was, uh, Jess had to take a break for like a week or two for, I don't know, like a, a neck injury or her, her job. In any case, she was just not in class for like two weeks. Okay. And at this point, she was already like a purple with like two stripes. And so the, uh, this new white bull had joined and uh, he was he, he was all um, like excited to, 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 to like be there at the party as well too. And he starts talking to, talking to Jess. And then... Uh, he starts, oh, you know, how, you know, I've been doing jujitsu for, for, you know, this, you know, re, uh, talking to her. Yeah, 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 talking himself up. Talking himself up. And he's like, oh, well, well you know, I, I think I'm going to get my first stripe soon or, or something. <laughs> and then he goes, oh, so, uh, so, so what, ra- so what rank are you? And as soon as he said that, I kind of just like, I turned to like to decide just to, I wanted to be in the most like, I wanted to be tables scenery. But like still listening in because I, I didn't want him to think anyone right, else right. was like, listening. But, but I wanted to, to yeah, listen. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then just uh, just oh, two stripe purple and it, just the like the uh, 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 like, like yeah, the, yeah, the short yeah, circuiting yeah, yeah, in yeah. his head of like <laughs> yeah. he couldn't he, he couldn't, couldn't fathom process it. like like wait a minute you like <laughs> it was just a hilarious that's awesome intera- that's awesome and, he probably and, felt like such an, an asshole <laughs> I hope he did he should have that's what you get when you have a big ego sometimes you gotta get taken down a few notches. But. but that's <laughs> that's my uh, uh, well, not mine. But when I got to witness something similar in the sense where, oh, and then the <laughs> other story. This is the one that she gets pissed at uh, a lot. But She's we, upstairs. We, we, we we laugh about we laugh yeah. about this one uh, where um, she also had the jujitsu hoodie. Okay. At, at at one point, and I was uh, wearing just like a normal winter jacket, and we yeah. went into I think it was a CVS to grab something. I think I told this story before. Oh yeah, I heard this because I was probably. And we went there, <laughs> and uh, she had the jujitsu hoodie on, mm. and then the the no. cashier, her behind the counter, goes, "Oh, that's a very nice hoodie. Does your boyfriend do jujitsu?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just cracking up because I I know like how she reacts to it and. What did she anyway, do? Anyway, I forgot the guy. I think she may have have have, have put her in her place. I, I don't remember because I think I was laughing a bit too much. But that's just the <laughs> friendly interaction that yeah. that Jess and I have, and that. But you see, you see that a lot. At the same time, though, it's it's kind of like 
Um, it's more on the rise as far as just yes. like everyone being into right, jiu-jitsu. Right, right. Remember, like you were saying, uh, uh, even in the beginning of the podcast, it's not for everyone. It's not like a yoga. No, it's not it's, like, it's oh, not everyone's into yoga or everyone's into CrossFit. It's like, right. oh, you're into jujitsu. So. Yes. Yeah. It entails a lot more. I mean, you mm-hmm. really are going to be required to, you know, not only push yourself, but get up and close with someone else and maybe that's not something that everyone is okay with you know i had a friend who i was thinking of bringing into Mm. to north south and Mm -hmm. she just was like i don't i don't think i'm gonna be okay with that and i was like well that's that's your i respect that i mean i get it um i you know i like i said i was raised with this kind of being like normal so (laughs) um and i that's the same thing with jess as well too (laughs) yeah like she was she was um um into martial arts like in in taekwondo when she was like in second or third grade and she's really good she's 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 a she's a fifth degree now oh, either fourth or fifth degree wow <laughs> I, I better get that right i should kick, kick my head off <laughs> she'll come but, in here <laughs> give an aerial kick to the degree. head <laughs> <laughs> how about you do you train taekwondo have you done that or no no the, okay. the only i i did i started with uh uh kind of like a at a, at a uh, nogi mixed martial arts school for a bit and then i and then both jess and i started uh, uh brazilian jiu-jitsu at the same time hey hun we're talking about you again <laughs> But in any case, yes, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to get such a, a good, uh, uh, a great, fun learning environment, as you said, at uh, North-South yeah. comparative to, to other schools, which I'm sure, you know, they ha- probably have their own programs, but you yeah. just happen to find this one and train really yeah, hard totally, at this one. Yeah, totally, and it's <laughs> so good because it's like literally like right near where I live. Everything worked out. It was really perfect. Um, the funny thing is, is that like I had been... I. Like I was saying before, like I grew up with the whole martial arts thing. And mm-hmm. when I was little, my dad like threw me into Taekwondo when I was like six. Mm-hmm. I did that for a while. Um, but he was just always so good. Like he was so good at so many things, which is just nuts. Um, he was good at the karate and he was at the same time cross training with Taekwondo. And then he got into jujitsu. Um, I um, studied abroad in Spain. And while I was there, I remember walking on the street and seeing some guys doing a capoeira demo. And I was like, what is this? This is yes. awesome. Yes. So I ended up when I was living in southern Spain during my sophomore year in college, mm-hmm. picking up that. And when <gasps> I came back. You can do that? I used to. Oh, I mean, okay. I came back. I want to learn something. <laughs> anyway, yes. It's pretty nuts. Um, yes. And it's really, that is really esoteric. And it's very hard to find schools. There's only like mm-hmm. a three, I would say, in mm-hmm. this area. And they don't even have a studio. They were like, when I, so I came back from Spain. I was starting my junior year of college. And I was like, oh, I got to keep this up. I'm going to be an amazing capoeira fighter, um, mm-hmm. which was, you know, delusional, um, which sums <laughs> up a lot of my <laughs> opinions on. about myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> and this like delusion of grandeur. I mean, doing like break dance and kicking people but mm-hmm. you know um you so. ever see that movie uh only the strong uh, yes <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes no i know all the songs oh you have to learn the songs, the songs. There. not all yeah most of the songs are pretty popular that they're mm-hmm. sung in that movie okay don't please don't put me on the spot now i'm but, not putting you on the spot <laughs> I, I just wanted to mention that because that that's my that was my exposure to capoeira yes so. and so you have to learn the songs and like mm-hmm. if you are um talented enough let's say musically then they'll put you in charge when other people are fighting to play the instruments so mm. there's a drum and then there's this like weird sort of like berumbau berumbau yep so I, that was not my call yep it's a stringed instrument that they that they yeah, kind of hit like it's that one or yeah. two string two strings i think i want to say and then it has like a gourd at the bottom yes yeah 
This um, is all from only the strong people. <laughs> that, that's that's how many it's times it, it was it was it was looped one day on TBS like over and over, and I just happened to watch it every gotcha. single time it was on. <laughs> so, so you've seen like twenty six times. So now you know how to do it. You can do. And the guy, what, what's what's his name? The, the lead, whatever. He's on Iron Chef. He's he's oh, like the guest oh. uh, Iron Chef. The host how am I now. blank? I'm blank. I'm totally blanking. Um. Uh, anyway, don't, don't worry. That's why we do it uh, Google us, and people are probably yelling at us in the pocket. Like this yes, guy, right. yes, <laughs> idiots. Come on, put in your phone. No. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, I came back, I did it for another year after I got back from Spain mm-hmm. and they were so like, Karen and I often talk about how in jujitsu there's like the whole, um, hierarchical thing. And like in some, you know, schools, like you have to bow to your teacher and they don't do mm-hmm. how they don't do that in North South. Mm-hmm. I remember in, when I did Capoeira, like coming back from Spain and, and finding the school in New Jersey, the guy was just like, he was like, they called him mestre, like master. Yes. He's a mm-hmm. teacher. Like he's like, you know, in charge and you got to like, you know, it was paying homage to him. He came late to class. I remember one time my friends came to watch me and we were like five minutes late and he was like, you, do a hundred push-ups, oh. and so that was oh. the kind of like garbage mm. that you had to deal with while you're kowtowing to this guy. Mm. You never really get a good personal relationship going. It mm-hmm. was like you're paying to be punished, you know. Mm. And Karen, you and had I, enough I of that law school. That. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, that mm. was before law school, but oh, I'm never. No, okay. I'm never going to go back to it because mm-hmm. it, was, it was too. It's just too much. And then, yeah. like when you get promoted, like for the first time to your first belt they call it your baptism and you get taken what? down by some like really experienced fighter who like basically is going to throw you down on like a stage in front of all these people who are watching it's like a big spectator thing yeah hmm. so i did that my parents came my dad's like you know i like martial arts he's like but this is effing useless he's like when are you ever gonna do this he's like is someone gonna play a song and like hold on i gotta start doing the jing and then i can maybe take a punch at you <laughs> so i i quit shortly thereafter i have to say <laughs> is, your dad, is your dad more about the like, like definitely like practicality of like oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah especially when you learn like oh you're gonna go into this sorry you should oh man what what a thing to live up to <laughs> right your dad just always there oh yeah as far as those uh the the when it comes to the martial arts i have a question mm-hmm. as far as the comment because it it's such an interesting combination as far as what your dad does, where he has uh, uh, like an academic discipline. And he said he's a physician, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Successful at that, along with the combination of martial arts. Mm-hmm. You are also pretty much the, the just the same track. Mm-hmm. Super hard discipline in law, as well as martial arts as, as well, too. Do you find the two kind of play into each other? Have you found... Go ahead. Is 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 there is there anything where you feel one enhances the other? Do they play off? Do you do you have you started seeing any parallels between the two? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that especially like if you're dealing with like a difficult profession, like I, um, I try cases. You know, I work as a prosecutor in the special victims unit and mm. are challenging cases to bring to trial. And every time you go into trial, you're going to war. Basically, you know, you may like your adversary outside the courtroom, but once you get in there, like if you have, you know. Every good lawyer knows that when you go in to, to do a trial, you are essentially like 
you're going to battle. So mm-hmm. I totally think that it's very similar in the sense that you got to be very disciplined. Like when you're training, you have to be disciplined when you're going to trial. And it's sort of like a monastic kind of thing. Like, you know, sometimes you get lazy with training and like, you're like, all right. So I drank like, you know, a bottle of wine last night. I'm going to go to, you know, jujitsu on um, Saturday morning and I'll like do a few rolls. And then that's I'll how drink. we do it. Yeah. You know, that's how you loosen up. <laughs> sometimes. That's our warm up. <laughs> exactly. Right. But when Don't you warm up like that, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a few shots before class. But, you know, like, <laughs> I think that sometimes you come into it with like a lackadaisical attitude. You know, mm. lawyering can be like that too. Like sometimes you show up on Monday, you know, maybe you were goofing off on Sunday and mm-hmm. like Monday is just not your day, whatever. But when you're in trial mm-hmm. and it's the same thing, when you get really into training, you know, you are living that life. Like you're not drinking, you're not partying, you're just focusing on the training. And so I think when you get into it, when I get into a groove with jujitsu, I get into, it almost like helps me, you know, get into a groove with work because if I am training hard and not screwing around on the weekends or Mm -hmm. doing dumb shit, you know, (laughs) um, you know, I know that it it will help me. Like I Mm -hmm. have a big trial coming up in January and right now I'm going out in flames. Like, you know, last night I was eating cheese and drinking wine. Like, I mean, Mm. I'm planned to spend the rest of December, like pickling my liver, but (laughs) (laughs) when January comes, you know, I have a trial coming up and I also have this blue belt thing now going on. So Mm. I think they totally align because when you get into that mentality, you know, you can translate that into both things um and they can complement each other you know like when you get into that like mentality where you are working toward winning a trial you know you're going to battle and then you're working toward being physically on top of the game and Mm -hmm. i think it also parallels the sense i could be friends with you but like if i'm gonna roll with you i'm gonna roll and try to submit you right like so the same thing is true with trial like mm-hmm. i could like my adversary i have a great friend who works for the public defender's office which is it's um, go time yeah yeah mm-hmm. and um he and i had a trial like over the summer we tried two cases together and literally like it is mortal combat like mm-hmm. you know he's trying to screw me over and like he's pulling all these things out of left field and um i am trying to you know kill him too i want to win my yes. ca- i want to win my case you know so we're just going at it right and you know but once we get out of the courtroom once the case is over he's like you know i you know i really respect you good job on that case good job too you know we mm-hmm. congratulate each other but when you're in it you're in it so you got to be in it in both things i think to do well like you really have to have full commitment um to your goal and that's i think a shared thing with lawyering and that's cool do you ever find that and this is you know this is just a general question does it ever get personal where even where afterwards where like okay after the case all right cool but man that was a really like shitty move or like oh man that was such an incredible move that you know does it ever take away does it ever get negative and does that has that ever happened in you don't have to really reveal any uh, specific (laughs) cases in jujitsu but you know what i mean so no i think i think that in both things Mm -hmm. there may be some times where um it takes a while to calm down after okay you know i have a great friend who is he works for you know if you're under a certain income threshold you get a public defender and Mm -hmm. he's a phenomenal lawyer like i have the utmost respect for him but during one of my cases it was with an older victim an older woman uh not an older she's not older at all but like she's not a child so i think Mm -hmm. that jurors start to struggle at that point and it's Mm. easier to attack someone's credibility who's been a victim of sex assault when they're older you know because Mm. there's more they know about the world there's more motive to ostensibly lie to create like a thing for the jury to believe an alternative theory so he really 
really did a great job of digging up a lot of stuff with her and like we just battled that case out and mm-hmm. i really hated him you know and my my partner at work um, hated him how so just because i was like you know she's telling the truth you know and like how can you do this you know mm. he, but he's mm-hmm. doing his job yes and that is the yes. same thing in jujitsu your job is to fight back it's not mm-hmm. to lie there and just say okay you know i have the upper hand so i'm not gonna fight i'm just gonna lie here i'm not gonna try to shrimp out i'm not gonna try to like get on you know anything hmm. like i'm just gonna take it like how can you expect that but in the moment you kind of live with that like i know i can win this i mm-hmm. know i'm right and you know it's not about that it really is about everyone doing their job and fulfilling their role but i guess to your point you know i held on to that you hold on to things sometimes longer mm. than the other but um you know, I still now work with this attorney on a regular basis and I don't have any hard feelings. In fact, I still continue to feel good things about him. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's a great advocate and, you know, he did what he had to do, but that stays with you for a little while. Like, I think that's true for me in a lot of different respects. Like I'll hang on to things for a little while, but then you got to let them go, you know? And I think the same is true with jujitsu, with, with work, you know, you're mad about it for a while and then, you know, you get some perspective and, when you're in when you're in the courtroom, do you ever hit a state of flow? Do you ever hit a state where everything is kind of like it? Everything is just clicking for you, and it's almost like you're on autopilot. But it's mm-hmm. like the good type of autopilot where it's you even kind of like feel like a endorphins, like like a, a rush go go through you, as in like this everything is just firing on all cylinders. It's all, it's all working out for me, and it's almost effortless. It's almost like just doing that and. Yeah. And as soon as you exhale, boom, every, every state, everything that, I don't know the jargon, but everything is just flowing out of me and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the game. Does that happen to you? Well, I think that in terms of being in court, like, Mm -hmm. no, not on a Monday morning when I have like 20 (laughs) kids, I just want to be in bed, but (laughs) I'm just thinking about like, when can I lie down again? Mm -hmm. But, um, no, but like if in all seriousness with a, with a trial, um, that does happen. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, I guess the ground rule, which even experienced lawyers say, if you're going into a trial and you're not nervous, you Mm. are doing something wrong. Really? Because yeah, you always have to, have that like stress for success kind of thing going on where your okay. adrenaline serves you. Cause if you're lackadaisical and you're feeling good and you're just chilling, like you're going to fuck something up. Yeah. Interesting. That's like pretty much the wisdom. Okay. Um, but in terms of hitting that stride, um, at the beginning of the case, the defense attorney and the prosecutor in a, cri- in a criminal trial have the opportunity to speak to the jury to pitch their case basically. Mm-hmm. And so I get to be very theatrical and like present my case and he, the defense attorney does his thing or her thing. And then at the end, we address them again. We say, this is what you heard. This Mm -hmm. is what you should decide. Mm -hmm. And you have the opportunity there to really like get into their minds, get their hearts and minds going, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, in terms of the autopilot thing, when you hit your stride, if you've done a good case and you've done the work at the closing argument, I would say like the first minute, you're always just like stressing out. You're like twitching, you're shaking, (laughs) your heart's pounding, Yes. but you work past it, you know? And then when you figure, you know, you're thinking, I'm looking at these people. They want to hear from me. I have my victim. I'm trying to convince them that she's telling the truth. Um, you do hit a stride because then you have mm. total recall. Like if you have really believed her case and bought into it and you feel it in your heart, then mm-hmm. you get into this place where it just all comes out. You remember everything they said mm-hmm. and you're just, you know, that's happened to me where I've written down like notes, like I have 10 pages of notes and I will like put it on a podium. 
and I'll put it to the side and I'll say, okay, I know I can come back to that and like try to remember what is important. Um, but I don't need it because mm. once I start talking, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get like myself a good tagline, a good opening for the closing argument. And then from there, it just all comes out sometimes. So that's like, that's when you know that you've done your best, you know, when you hit that pitch in your head where you're able to just speak. So has, have moments like that happened to you in jujitsu at no, I don't know. Or, I mean, or starting to get there. Or, sometimes, or, uh, sometimes. Well, what, what's the term I like, I like to use? Uh, it's uh, moment, moments or sparks of brilliance, mm-hmm. you know, where it, it obviously maybe not for the full, like, let's say the round is six minutes, maybe not for six minutes, but for maybe like 30 seconds, you're like, oh, <laughs> someone else is possessing my body right now, or <laughs> anything like that. Or or have you, have, have you noticed when you watch other people or anything specific for uh, as far as like that kind of like state of flow of, of what you're you were just talking about as far as being in the courtroom you know i can't at this point i don't mm-hmm. feel like i've had a stroke of brilliance with jujitsu. <laughs> i honestly feel like every time i'm just thinking in my head like mm-hmm. what was that move again i can't remember it how ah. did i what do i put my hands oh my god you know so i'm always just like most of the time i'm like what was that cool thing heron just showed me? why can't i remember it why can't i remember it so that's like what's going through my head on any given day when i'm rolling <laughs> but <laughs> so no honestly i can't say mm-hmm. that i've had this great thing where i'm like i'm totally in my zone and it's all just coming to me i think it hopefully will <laughs> i think it's getting there as well too as <laughs> as as because as, as as you were saying too it's it's these moves are coming to you you're 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 recalling them right we'll, we'll when we do the follow <laughs> podcast it'll be like Eck. 45 seconds i was a ninja like you will, you will remember that moment i was in the mix yeah i was dodging bullets in slow motion no um <laughs> the path that you also brought up capoeira and this was before uh luring and it sounds like you and we were mentioning a little bit about this before the podcast that it was i don't think it was just zero all right i'm i'm i'm, I'm done with let's say uh, uh undergrad and mm-hmm. then I'm just going 100% into, like, just one track directly into uh, uh, the lawyer field. I think you were mentioning, especially with uh, a little bit to, to pass down to Warren, that the path can get windy or it can get, have some side trails, yeah. something along that. Absolutely. I think that's, like, yeah, if we talk about the whole mission of the podcast, right? I think, <laughs> like, my lesson for Warren is that, like, you know, your whole life is it's impossible to plan out. You just sometimes have to accept that, like, you know, if you're doing a good thing, you know, keep going, you see where it takes you. Um, You have to just kind of keep checking in with yourself, Mm -hmm. taking that personal inventory and, you know, thinking about where is my true north? Where is that pulling me? As Mm -hmm. opposed to what other people think, you know, you should be doing, you know. Um, Was this a lot of on-the-job learning that you figured out? Or you kind of, like, after uh, uh, you went down your path and whatever uh sidetracks that you took then you kind of like looked behind you and like hmm it wasn't what what i thought it was going to be was that what it was or no i think it was just like sometimes you know if it's a good current you just let Mm -hmm. it take you out right okay and i kind of think that's what happened with law school it was like that it felt good like you know if you imagine being like in an ocean like the the tide was kind of gently pulling me along in one direction and it kind of just felt like a good way to keep going. You know, it just felt like I was getting pulled like in that way. And I just kind of surrendered to that, you know, because Mm -hmm. I think everyone says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be a lawyer. I need to study political science in undergrad. And then I need to like do this with the LSAT. I'm going to take it by this point in time and then I'll apply to law school and I'll get a job at a firm and then everything will be okay. It's a, it's a tract, right? Yeah. It's a whole tract, right? Yeah. 
So a lot of people think that that's, you know, how they have to plan out their lives. You know, I think my, my parents are old school, you know, God bless them. But like, you know, when my, my dad is, you know, kid of like Italian immigrants, right? He's got the whole thing where, you know, you pick a job, you do it well, you get promoted, you get money, you know, you do this thing. I mean, he's a unique guy and he's done amazing things with his life. But I do think in the background, like that's the subtext of like how I was raised that if mm. you choose a job, you choose a major in college mm-hmm. that will get you exactly what you need to do with your life Mm -hmm. so i mean and i don't think that the world works that way anymore it just doesn't really i think i mean i don't know do you think do you find that like that i can't because your your dad's tract uh, or his his recommendation of the tract is pretty much what my dad did he the the slight variance was was he said okay do do a major where you know that uh if if you have to like fall back on on your quote whatever other dream that that you have where it's a a lot riskier Mm -hmm. where it may not be as quote you know financially stable Mm -hmm. that you can fall back on it so that's why i did uh i made sure that okay i I got my degree in computer science Mm -hmm. but then it was like all right what do you do i'm like all right well i'm gonna play guitar i'm gonna see how far (laughs) this this thing takes me which is and then as as uh, I think I mentioned in another podcast, it's really good that I made sure I got the, that computer real, science because, yeah. you know, you, you kind of find out uh, a, a lot about you do you know, that, that, that artistic <laughs> world or the creative world or performance world. And, and then once it doesn't work out for you, boom. So that was what my, I, I don't think he ever was like, you must be no. this, you must be a doctor, you must be a, a lawyer. And my dad never did that either. But I think like, so I guess like that's my thing is that I do think there's some practicality in that. It's mm-hmm. like, it's good advice. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do need to have, you need to survive in the world, you know. But you were um, saying that you don't think it's, it that that's how that specific tract of as uh, you were recapping prior, you don't think that's I, uh, applicable as much uh, now. Why do you think that? Well, I think that, like, you know, okay. nowadays, like, you may start out doing one thing, and the economy is just so much different. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the way that people view the workplace, especially with, like, business and laws, is you are expected almost to, to change careers. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, the most important thing is that people, you know, get tied up in the mentality that they've chosen this job, they have to stay at this particular place, even if it, you know, isn't isn't serving their best interests and their personal growth. Like, this is my job. I work here. I have mm-hmm. to I have to just stay here. Um, and so I think that, you know, there's more of a malleable, like, sense of purpose and jobs and things like that nowadays. Like, my friends, all who have graduated from law school with me have changed jobs, like, multiple times, um, just trying to find... Something out of outside of law? No, not outside of law, but just, like, switching within firms and okay. doing different things. Okay. Um, I don't know. <laughs> what was my point in this? Like, I feel like I'm really on a tangent, and I don't know what no, I'm No, it's a good thinking. tangent. <laughs> I always say that on the podcast, that if we're not stretching and, we, and we're not, like, on the edge of, like, falling apart, <laughs> we're not learning. I'm not on the edge of saying something. I don't know what I'm saying about I, I would I'm rather. About <laughs> I, would, I would much rather fall apart and be like, hey, where, where the fuck were we? What rabbit hole did we fall Go down? down? <laughs> rather than, you, you know, you'll play it safe and, like, okay, how was your day how was you know i think you were you were getting into the point of of um where just this multi-track or very mm-hmm, track mm-hmm. is a little more applicable to what is going on to today yeah and, I, and it's probably a little more reflective of what your experience was as opposed to let's say our parents right and i think the good thing okay so here's a good point for warren right so i think that ending up having like you know that sort of malleability or like just you know being flexible with your mm-hmm. experiences and with your interests and you know is that it ends up making you so much better at whatever career you do settle into you know um i so I was going to say, so I think like being flexible with your interests and saying like, I want to be 
you know, a doctor. I have to just study science. I can't do X, Y, and Z. I can't do, you know, be interested in other things, or I'm going to do this in college. And I just want to be focused on being an accountant or whatever the situation may be. You know, ultimately, like, I think for me, like, that's not something that serves you well just to be on like a one track. It doesn't make for mm. a diverse person. You may be successful. You may have, you know, a career. You'll be fine. You know, your life will be, you know, in, in as much order as you always anticipated it would be. But I think when you get out of your comfort zone, when you stretch your interests, when you follow your passions, mm. you end up with this just diverse repertoire that really enables you to, you know, really distinguish yourself. Um, so for me, I, I studied diplomacy and international relations. I wanted to just... This was undergrad? Undergrad, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, my, I was always just curious about cultures and mm-hmm. world history and it, it all came together uh, with that. So I ended up studying abroad several times, traveling a bunch and, you know, taking a lot of really interesting courses. And I ended up working at the UN for about a year and, um, you know, coming into the job I have now where I deal with with um with sex assault and the population I work with, you know, it's just so diverse culturally and I just I feel that because of that I'm able even though I'm not using directly my degree, mm-hmm. I'm able to bring a lot more to what I do mm-hmm. because I just have a different perspective on I guess my clientele, I'm able to, mm. I actually can speak Spanish and I can relate to, I can speak with them directly. Um, you know, and I wouldn't have that had I just said, okay, I'm yeah. going to study political science. I'm going to take the LSAT. I'm going to go to law school. If you, if you stuck to that one yeah, track yeah, I wouldn't the entire really, time, I wouldn't have that diversity of experience, you know, was lawyer the number one thing? No. Was it? Oh, oh, okay. Never. I never in my, in a million years thought I would be a lawyer. It was something I didn't grow up wanting to, I never grew up wanting to be a lawyer. Um, it just sort of happened. What was the number one thing, if you can recall? Oh, God. Um, no? Well, oh. how far back are we going? Like, high school? Well, how, however far, you know, I think I wanted to be an astronaut at one point. I think I wanted <laughs> to be a, uh, um, a doctor at one point as well, too. But that was because, you know, my uncle was a doctor or, or something. As far back as you want. Anything that comes up where we can go, oh, really? Interesting. I think I had, like... Um, like a delusions of grandeur kind of thing. I wanted to be an actress and I completely thought it would happen like really mm-hmm. badly. Like I'm surprised I didn't require years of therapy when it, what? when it like failed <laughs> because when I was in like eighth grade, I decided that by the time I was like 20, I was going to be so famous mm. and I would be in movies and I had them mm. all like, it was really kind of sick. Um, Sorry. And then- I felt the same way when I had my <laughs> guitar when I was 16. I'm like, I'm torn. I'm going to be the third guitarist for Metallica one day, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you believe, it like and it's like a sick lie you tell yourself or like <laughs> down deep in your heart you truly believe that it's true like you're hanging out with your friends you're like these guys aren't going anywhere but i am gonna mm. be famous mm-hmm. so i was like that weird person i had that cooking in the back of my brain and i did like a lot of theater in school and the one thing we unfortunately learned is that i can't sing and so i was trying out for the school musicals and mm-hmm. they're like your acting is actually pretty good but i don't know you can't sing oh, no. you can't sing at all so that happened to me too Really? I was I was I was really good at guitar, but then I, I started joining like classic rock cover bands, and then I had to sing like backup vocals, uh-huh. and and just couldn't do it. And then and then one day it was like one of the lead vocalists had to quit, so then I had to do lead vocals. This was back in college, so I was like smoking and everything too. So <laughs> yeah, I, I decided like so I was like, all right, you know what? I already know I suck at, yeah. at singing, so I went to a vocal coach, and then she was like, all right, Did it work well. Out? It worked out well. It was it was it was a double thing because one I, I had like I could I could go from like uh, um, uh, sucking at singing to being you know like 
kind of mediocre. Mediocre and yeah, then tolerable. <laughs> and then the and then the other part was was that one of the first questions she asked me, she goes, Oh, okay, well, do you do you smoke? And and I and I was like, Yeah, you know, a little here, here and there. there. <laughs> and, and then she goes, not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. So my de- my desire to like learn how to sing was greater than my desire to smoke. So I was able to quit. That's good. Uh, uh, a lot easier then. But <laughs> how long do you smoke for? Huh? Maybe like a, uh, a like I was a few months like really into it. <laughs> really into it. Really into it. It was just bad influences in college. You know. As you can see, my dad was right. Make sure you choose a backup career. Cause I'm... <laughs> All right, dad, I'll listen to you. Oh, but yes, yeah, so, uh, going back to, to your story. Yeah, I, I know what that's like as far as being told like, yeah, you're singing. Is... And this is this is probably before the time of like, you know, American Idol and like mm-hmm. Simon tearing you down. It was kind of like, oh, man. Especially with your dream as well, too, of being an, an actor in a musical. Yeah. So that, that was like my main thing mm-hmm. and up until like, and I honestly, I think like the whole thing, it sounds so corny, but like, I think what really galvanized me like to, to be interested in the world around me was when nine eleven happened. Um, yes. I was about 15, mm-hmm. right? 15. Yeah. About 15. And, um, I was like, you know what? I want to be, I want to read more about like the FBI, counterintelligence, CIA. I want to learn all this stuff. And I, I, I was very naive at the time and like I really didn't know a lot about mm. anything. And so I just started educating myself. I started yes. reading the New York Times. I started reading newspapers and just being like, wait, there's like a whole world that exists outside of like the world that I know. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what kind of channeled into me wanting to study diplomacy and international relations wow. and like how important that was, mm-hmm. you know, in the world, in the world that we were now living in, a globalized world like that, you mm-hmm. know, just didn't revolve around domestic stuff you know or whatever just not being informed or paying attention i started to pay attention yes and so from there i had aspirations to um to like join the cia that was my initial Mm. thing so i went from being an actress to like then all of a sudden like okay get serious you know yes pay attention to something beyond yourself and then um i had i was part of the rotc program in college Mm -hmm. as well as being a diplomacy student and then from there somehow got sidetracked through one of my professors who was like ah you don't really want to do that i work at the un you should come try to get an internship here so from there ended up why why, why did he say oh you don't want to do that Uh, he was french he okay. was French. So, I mean, I think mm. that, like, you know, he had, like, a very jaded worldview. And he was mm. just like, oh, you should be an intellectual. You should come work for the UN. Mm. So, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I totally want to do this. Um, sounds amazing. I was just, like, a sponge at that point. I just yeah. wanted whatever experience, like, like I could latch on to quickest and, you know, get the most mileage out of, you know. Mm. Whether it was, like, our school um, offering, like, a study abroad to, um, you know, study in, for example, we, we did a program in Cyprus, which was a conflict resolution thing. Okay. Um, we got to go see how the, the north and south part of Cyprus had a major civil war in this, and, you know, the implications of that. The UN actually took over. There was a DMZ that runs through the island. So, you know, I was always like the first person to sign up to do anything um to learn more about like these issues that were affecting our world so i was just fascinated by everything wanted to be involved in everything and wanted to just had this general sense of wanting to do something important and so that led me just to take whatever opportunity seemed good and came you know the quickest and Mm -hmm. so i ended up taking an internship at the un and then getting hired after that as a junior consultant whatever that means but mm-hmm. you know and that just opened so many doors for me like i was when you work at the un it's just like this phenomenal experience you have world leaders coming in on a daily basis when you have your 
pass. You can kind of hop around to whatever meetings are going on. And, um, you know, it's just a constant learning opportunity. Um, so yeah, where was I going with this? I don't remember. <laughs> you were jumping around the tracks of, 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 of your, your different paths. Yeah. Of, yeah. And specific, uh, kind of like, uh, big events that happen that kind of like, boom, this happened. All right. Headed, headed in this direction. Another event happens and kind of like, yeah. it's just guiding you along, along the path. Your, 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 your current path. And then you were at the UN. Right. And at, at that point, was there anything that just sh- shifted you afterwards? Yeah. So I, my specific role at the UN, um, I was always interested within all of like the cataclysm of things that I'm interested in. I was always interested in like women's rights, like yes. in, a, in, in, in the context of my undergrad degree, I always wrote, wrote my thesis and, <laughs> and, and, um, just different papers. I was always researching women's rights, rights of women and girls and children. And so that was something that was really cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. so when I ended up getting hired as a consultant with the UN, um, I was working at a, uh, it was called the commission on legal empowerment of the poor. Mm. And it just focused on the fact that a lot of people in the developing world, um, live outside the rule of law. Like they don't have a legal identity. They're born in a village where they're not issued a birth certificate. Um, They don't have access to capital. They don't have a credit card. No one will give them a loan because they don't theoretically exist, you know? Um, So how can you get a loan if you don't have identity? You can't build um, a career. You can't build a future. You can't really do anything except exist in this informal way. Um, and one of the main casualties in this was women because, mm. um, they had no recourse for things like domestic abuse, for sexual assault. Mm-hmm. They're living in these like shadow communities, um, where they don't really understand their rights. They maybe have never, you know, um, been in contact with like the formal legal system. So, you know, we talked about a lot about villages in Africa, places in, um, like remote parts of, of the Middle East and Asia and things like that. Um, and even in South Africa and um, like the outskirts of like Cape Town, like there are people who don't have access to credit cards, like they don't have their birth registered. So all this kind of thing like tied into like this whole larger issue of like women's rights, which I was very interested mm-hmm. in and how to protect the most vulnerable people in our society and societies overseas. And um, one of the things that I did do within my job was to coordinate these working group meetings of um, different nonprofit leaders, um, international organizations, political leaders, uh, advocates, activists. And so we would have these working groups where they would mm-hmm. come into the UN and my boss that I worked under would, you know, kind of direct the conversation and have them go out into the field in their own countries and bring back information so we could figure out how to generate um, like a plan or an agenda mm-hmm. to help all these people get access to legal rights. And so during one of these meetings, it was my job to kind of like schedule all the flights. So I'm in the bathroom at the United Nations. I'm just like, you know, washing my hands in like the women's bathroom downstairs by like the Vienna Cafe. And like one of the women that we had um, brought over to participate in this summit was um sharina body who is a women's rights advocate from iran and she's mm. just gotten all these accolades and i was like didn't realize but she was in the bathroom and she came out to wash her hands and i was like oh my god i'm washing my hands next to this lady she's like you know the whatever i trying to think of a celebrity off the top of my head you know it's like being next Sorry. to like lady gaga of like you know <laughs> women's rights right so i'm just like oh my god we're in the bathroom together whatever i'm like i booked your flight and she's like oh thank you i got here on time i'm like okay and then she was like you know you seem like a smart girl she's like the real way to make a difference in the world is to become a lawyer 
And she's like, and so you should think about wow. what you're going to do. He, she's like, because, you know, at the UN, wow. it's nice to have thoughts, but you can't change anything unless you can, you know, advocate. And to advocate, you know, you should be a lawyer. And that was kind of her advice. And I just sat with it for a little while. And then I think two weeks later, I ended up logging into like the LSAT webpage and took a free demo LSAT and did okay. And then from there, the rest is history. That's one hell of a way to get into the... the <laughs> it's a long the story. <laughs> you arrive there, though. You know what I mean? Mm. Just as long as long as you get there. That's a that's one hell of a way to... Especially when you meet one of your... Uh, someone extremely influential in the UN. Just mm-hmm. saying, take this path. It's kind of like, okay. You yeah, know what I mean? It's kind of weird. So it was... But it was... Um, you know, it really impacted me, I guess. And I, I just, on a whim, I was like, you know what? Maybe she's right. Maybe I can't do anything just sitting in this building having thoughts and, you know, reviewing other people's reports. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? what good does it do? It's cool that I'm here and that I have this mm-hmm. great opportunity to rub elbows with, like, world leaders and just feel like I'm doing something important. But I think her point to me was, like, it's nice to feel like you're doing something important, oh, but are you versus, really changing anything here? Hmm. So, and from it's there, kind, it's kind of like it, it sounded because you were talking about both uh, that you were handling uh, both cases here domestic as well as as you said in Africa. So definitely in the uh, overseas. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's kind of like she's it, it sounded like she was zeroing you in on on like all right instead of trying to solve things overseas or attempting to change things mm-hmm. overseas mm-hmm. you becoming a lawyer you become an even more formidable quote uh proponent for change because you are i've talked about it a, a little bit in other podcasts but like self-ownership and just like mm-hmm. gonna work on you build your yourself up and then like now you can make like change like you can right exactly i think that's like what i took away from that and like she may not ever remember that i'm sure if we met on the street she'd be like this girl i have no idea who's erica um but i'll remember that you know forever i mean she had some sort of impact was it was it's simple what we said, but it really like ended up changing my whole thought process. Isn't it process. crazy though? It doesn't yeah. have to be something complex. It doesn't have to be something. I mean, that's still a scene in the, out of like a movie. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, you meet your so and so hero, or and then they, they just say one thing, boom, and then like it it it's the catalyst for uh, a whole other path, which as you've have talked about, has come to fruition. Mm-hmm. How's it feel now? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's nuts. I mean, like, some days I definitely regret that I didn't just stay there because it would be, like, a nice, sleepy existence, like, living the dream and just hanging out at the UN. It's, like, walking through a Wes Anderson, you know, soundstage. <laughs> it's just, like, this place is so cool. It's, like, so mm-hmm. retro and, like, all this, like, you know, cool ideas. Like, I can think about all this, like, solutions to the world problems every day. But, but am I doing anything about it? No, you know, so. Um, and you came to that realization. Was that what it, was that when you after she recommended that to you? Was that one of the things that you sat down and like, it just you eventually arrived at that of hey, I actually want to do something that quote does something versus as you said planning something. I think that I actually thought I would get the degree and come back to the UN oh, and maybe okay. do something with mm-hmm. it there. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like I just got down the rabbit hole of law school and then realized, hey, you can't study what you want to study for like the first two years. And then mm. you're not going to be able to take international law and like all the stuff that you're interested in mm-hmm. is not something that you'll be learning um, at all. And then 
I ended up from there realizing what the issues were. I think not through her comment alone. It wasn't an instantaneous realization, but it was definitely a process. Like once I got into law school, I then ended up, you know, um, realizing that, hey, immigration is a big issue here. And I want to help people. I want to be able to help people, you know, stay in this country who have been here. And I don't want families to be separated. Mm -hmm. It's a huge human rights issue, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I know it's very controversial. I don't want to get too much into politics for the purpose of the podcast, but it was something that resonated with me. And so from there, I said, hey, this is like a big, we talk about internally displaced people from like conflict overseas, but we have our own migration crisis here Mm -hmm. and it was something that i wanted to be a part of and so i ended up spending a lot of my free time in law school just volunteering with a lot of immigration rights advocate uh, uh, um, advocacy agencies and Mm -hmm. um dealing with that so it really like her advice was correct and it did Mm -hmm. ultimately steer me in that direction but i had no idea when i ended up you know, enrolling in law school that that was where i would be going you know and then from there it's like even more tangential because a lot of people who are immigrants, um, you know, they're afraid to report crimes to police. So we have a great benefit system um, called a U visa, where if you are an undocumented person who mm-hmm. has been the victim of any crime, really, but predominantly sex assault and domestic violence, um, if you report it and cooperate with the police, um, they will certify to that participation in the case. And you can then get on a track to get a green card. Um, so it's something that I did a lot of work with. Mm-hmm. Um, on that level, and then got interested in defending or representing victims of sex assault because of my work with the immigrant population. So it's all come full circle, and now I'm lucky to work in a county with a huge immigrant population, and I think it helps to be on the law enforcement side saying, hey, like you're not in trouble for, for reporting this, and we're here to protect you and help you. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's all come way more for full circle than I ever thought it would, where I'm using my undergrad degree, I'm using my language skills, and I'm using all that energy that I had mm-hmm. for a goal that makes yes. sense to me now. So that's the long story short. You said that a goal that makes sense to you now. What's what's that goal? I don't know. I mean, what is the goal? Like, I, th- I guess that's like just like term of like it's kind of like puffery. I mean, what is the- <laughs> <laughs> it's just a word I said. Um, I mean, it's like kind of. I mean, uh, well, I'll is- help you out here. Yeah. How it it sounds like, and you had mentioned that uh, this word uh, previously uh, uh, a little while back, and we were talking about passion Mm -hmm. and it sounds like and that's the other question i wanted to ask you because obviously um we're hearing the highlights of this uh i i wanted to be boom i became it this Mm -hmm, i wanted mm -hmm. to be boom i became it obviously as you feel and also in the beginning hey i i just happened to be sitting around boom i got my blue belt you know (laughs) so in between point a and let's say all these were like a a a point b there's a, a bunch of many things that had to happen there's the, the amounts of a spectacular uh, going down in flames, failures and, and mm-hmm. stress and mistakes. Oh, yeah. So uh, a lot of people, you know, can't handle that or they can't handle with, uh, uh, failure in the sense that now that you is that what kept you going? It was never about like, all right, I'm, I'm in it for, quote, the degree mm-hmm. or I'm in it for for the money. What what was like one of the driving factors to just continue, just keep on moving on? Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, it's always been I want to I wanted to be able to be in a position where I could really advocate for, you know, once I realized that my in- 
backtracking, I guess. Once, sure. once I realized that after I was in college doing this cool stuff with international relations, like the core of it was like just wanting to help people, like wanting to mm. do something mm-hmm. bigger than myself. Like, I mm-hmm. guess like that was, you know, after we abandoned the egocentric um, actress dreams, it was <laughs> <laughs> where it was all not about me anymore. Like, <laughs> I guess I just always had this sense, like I was maybe born with it, like that I just feel like women get the short end of the stick. Like, and I was always mm. in my own house. I'm like, dad, you shouldn't say that to mom. You know, my friends i'm like is that because you're a boy and she's a girl that you're doing this so it was always innate in me like i had that Mm -hmm. feeling in the back of my head and then just i guess trailing that all the way through like the diplomacy degree and then through the work at the un like i was just like you know what i really could get galvanized around is yes advocating for women and children and Mm -hmm. girls and like that's something i really think is important um and it's like that passion just ended up growing throughout law school and i realized you know maybe that the human rights advocate I mentioned um, after our conversation in the bathroom that, you know, if you really want to help people, like this is something that, you know, you should do, get a law degree. Like you can really have a sword in this. Mm. So I kind of felt like doing it as much as it sucked. I was like, I'm going to end up getting this weapon that I can use for to to do good and Mm -hmm. i can use it to help the people that i want to and and i think that you know women especially now with everything we're seeing in the media that those opinions Mm. about you know women are are are, they're not um a thing of the past people still struggle to accept that you know women face discrimination they face harassment Mm -hmm. they have been people get sexually assaulted and they're not treated properly so if you have an advocate who can and you're on the front lines of this exactly exactly um but you still you know and being in court and overhearing some of the older male attorneys the way they speak um about women and some of the reactions that you just listen sometimes if you're quiet you know you learn a lot because just hear what people are saying and You know, just the other day I was in court listening to some guys chat about the Weinstein scandal and talking about women. Oh, boy. It was just insane, you know. One of the guys, I don't know if it's probably not appropriate to share on the podcast, but, you know, just the things that are said are Mm -hmm. just so insane. So you think, okay, we're really moving toward this greater acceptance as a society that these things happen to women that we need to, you know, stand up and and take a a stand. Um, Yes. uh, But... There are still attitudes. There's mm-hmm. hearts and minds, and that hasn't changed. You know, I I listen to a lot of things that get said, and it's it's still pervasive that we have these like you know opinions about about sex assault, about women, and it's it's horrible. So I guess the mm-hmm. end goal and like you know the thing that is it drives me the most is that you know I can use this degree to like serve that cause, mm-hmm. and I can use it like through all the permutations I've been through. Um, through college and law school and now as a prosecutor, you know, I now know that I have this thing that if I can keep my passion up and I can Mm -hmm. keep doing what I do, I think that it's not going to change the world, but I know that I can change, you know, one person's life. I can make, I can make Mm -hmm. a victim feel like she's believed and that she's defended. And that to me is, that's what keeps me going at this point because it is stressful and it's a long career. So, (laughs) I will say this as far as what, uh, what when you were saying, I don't know if it's uh, appropriate for the podcast. One, uh, it is marked E for explicit. Okay. <laughs> so if you if you feel that uh, whatever conversation or whatever points that you want to bring up a- add to the story and and, it's, and, it's, and, and okay. it drives home more, feel free to sure. do it. The other thing is, I don't know a lot of people know this, I also categorize the comedy 
uh, I categorize the podcast. I put it under the comedy okay. one specifically because now it, it's it's kind of, instead of being like totally as you should take this as fact. Like I said, the, the initial thing about this uh, uh, podcast is it's backseat parenting. We kind of you know poke fun. Yeah, you're you're trying to raise Warren and like all right, I'm the dad, or, <laughs> and other people are uh, attempting to offer their their views. So, in other words, you have a lot of room to work with okay. here. And if you and if you feel that that it, it it's gonna it's gonna push um, towards uh, in the, in the right direction, by all means, uh, go ahead and do it. So, the one I, I wanted to definitely ask you about as well too was um, when you were talking about the, the track that people can take in in life, mm-hmm. and you were also thinking that oh you know that whole single track towards uh you know. Find, uh, think of this job take this discipline go to college and get the de- mm-hmm. get the degree in that do you feel that what do you think as as far as college or no i think a lot of people oh, are, are even that's like a, that's a crazy that's a hard question i mean go ahead if you want to try and tackle it as i don't know you can offer your, your your opinion on it because some people are 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 thinking like you know what do i really need that four-year degree mm-hmm. do, do i really need all the student loans coming out of it Maybe it's a faster track just to get get into some type of trade. I don't know yeah. because it it's as you said it the 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 time keeps changing mm-hmm. and what one track worked for our parents probably is not going to as you had mentioned it's probably not going to work for for us mo- moving on. You have a little bit of a hybrid as you said where mm-hmm. it's like all right it's maybe not one thing you can probably transition to one to the other. Now it's kind of like you know does does even college at this point fit into it. Obviously, uh, I'm biased because uh, Jess and I went to college, so it's kind of like we still push for it. But it's right. but it's also at the same time, it's like I can see where you know, especially in the information age, a lot of things are are coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. Where I maybe the, the the purposes of college will maybe they won't go away. Maybe they'll change. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on, like, what you want to get out of it, right? I mean, Uh like, some people are going there just to, like, a means to an end. You know, I want this degree. I have to go to college to get this degree. Uh Some people have no goals, and they're just going because their parents can afford it or because, you know, they have the ability to go, and they just it's expected that they will. Um, And then, you know, some people, it's, like, maybe it's been out of reach for their whole family, and they're going to be, like, the first time Uh college graduates, (laughs) right? I mean, so it's, like, I think everyone has their own goals with that, you know, and I think... I do think that there's way too many people in college. It's become too much of a business. Really? I do. I think that like, you know, like I said, like maybe some, for example, if you get like an upper middle class family, you have an underachieving kid mm-hmm. and their parents are just like, well, you're going to go to college, but maybe that kid is better off like doing something, you know, else. Yes. Um, maybe there is a better career for someone who is not committed and someone who doesn't really have any partic- particular purpose in going other than to party a lot and, mm-hmm. you know, get C's, you know, <laughs> right. So I think, I think it's like a whole big thing. Like there's a whole big spectrum of like, I think it's expected of everyone that if you are going to be successful, that you'll go to college. But I, I think that people don't really think about it in a meaningful way. Well, it also way. depends on like the, the, the <clears throat> definition of success. Like for you, as, as we were, we were talking about, you know, it was, it was never really about the money. It was never really about, as, as you said, uh, now that you're not an actor, never about the <laughs> prestige with that, but it was uh, specifically helping and advocating for, for women, right. you know? And so maybe there's a, there's, there's different tracks where it could be college based or non-college based in order to, uh, yeah. to, to serve that passion mm-hmm. or that, or that purpose. You just happen to have one where like one of the, 
your your heroes told you <laughs> you should become so and so right to right. be a little more effective. Right. And that's like another example is that when I ended up going to law school was right when the recession happened. Mm. And a lot of people were like, well, F it. I can't find something better to do. So I think, you know, we'll just check in here for three years and hope it gets better. You know, and then people are graduating and still coming out to find the economy not where they thought it would be. And they were finding also that law school didn't get them to that level that they thought they were entitled to be at after they graduated. So Entitled to be at? Yeah, I feel like that's the thing about law school, like I was saying before, is that like you really do get put through the grinder for like three years. You know, Mm. you kind of get made into mincemeat. (laughs) Like you're just (laughs) studying and your whole life just becomes very one track. And, you know, I think that when you get out of that, you're like, wow, doors should just be opening for me. As soon as I walk down the street, everyone should just be shouting my name, asking me to come work here. And I think, you know, unfortunately, like in the economy that we went into law school, like the state of the economy was just so terrible. I think that people were hoping that if they became lawyers, that maybe it wouldn't be applicable to them. You know, I had a a certain core of of acquaintances who Uh felt that way. And then after graduating had a really hard time finding work and Mm -hmm. you know, it it just doesn't, you have to want to do it. I guess that's the point. Like with college, whether it's college or law school or grad school or whatever you choose to do after high school, you know, I think that just doing it because people said, you know, you should is the wrong answer. You know, versus like people like your, your, uh, she told you to do it. Because it, it, oh, right. it serves yeah, yeah. your purpose. I would, I would say that's different. Know? Yeah, it's, yeah, not it's like, definitely different. Right, right. Like versus just someone saying, just like, oh, you should do it because it's going to make at- it's going to make you money, and yeah. you'll be everything. You know, everyone could use money, and then it's just kind of like, all right, even let's say you don't even let's say you actually do well, right, and you get the money, and then it's kind of like at a certain point, like yeah, it, it may have been able to buy um, some things where you don't have like some of the inconveniences, but then right. if you don't have, as we were talking about prior, like the purpose, it's kind of like the first sign of like trouble or stress or you like hate your job it's, yeah then you wake up and like the talking more. head song is playing you know you may ask yourself mm-hmm. you may find yourself in the front of a large automobile <laughs> you had mentioned previously as as well too and you know to just ask asking this question it sounds like one of the things that kind of like help push along your passion or, or going along that that track was when like dad you can't talk to 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 mom that way or you heard like was were there any like examples that you that you thought of or was, was it just something where you knew like i can't think of but it's i just, don't know I why it was to... one of those things like i can't say like thank god like i mm-hmm. wasn't someone who grew up with like a cute you know, trauma or violence in the household, but yeah. it was just something that I felt like it was always something that for whatever reason in, mm. in, in the world, I noticed, you know, like in a movie, like why is the girl not the hero? Why is it the guy who mm-hmm. is going to make her a princess? Why can't she do that for herself? You know, um, I just always remembered as soon as, as long as I can think back and remember, like just having that feeling like, you know, that, women are getting like the shaft and i just you know what (laughs) we're seeing star wars tonight so ah cool Mm, very exciting there you go so my husband went to see it without me he's visiting his what (laughs) what (laughs) yes yes (laughs) i guess i guess are you a big star wars fan or i am so like or he's the big one he's like he's he's like you can't make opening night or opening day at 6 (laughs) a.m yeah i'm out of here pretty much what happened like he decided he was going to go visit his family this weekend and didn't work out for me for a bunch of reasons Mm. so he's up his parents are in boston now and so Mm -hmm. he's up there and they went to see it without me and he like texted me and he's like we're gonna go i got tickets and i was like how could you like we're gonna (laughs) 
because like don't don't worry, I'll, I want to see it again. So. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a true st- selfish Star Wars fan. <laughs> He's like we can, we can go later, and actually tonight we were like thinking of going to the movies. So. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> But uh, I only brought up Star Wars because obviously the, the 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 lead character, which they through brilliant marketing by Disney, they mm-hmm. made it look like it was uh, was in John, John Boyega, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who pl- who plays Finn. They made it look like he was going to be the hero, but it turned out to be Ray oh, cool. in in the in the in, in Force Awakens. So uh, Disney has been pretty good with 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 uh, showing those type of uh, strong characters and also yeah. quote unknown characters star wars has always been like that franchise where it's been like so huge mm-hmm. where like whoever you bring on they're gonna be made into stars, stars yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to like you know we have to bring in the the, the all a-list uh celebrities right. in, in order to do it right. but as you were saying we, we were uh transitioning off what you were talking about of um movies mm-hmm. and uh the, the role as you saw with the role of women in them mm-hmm I don't know. I mean, I guess I just use it as a point, mm-hmm. uh, as like an example. I don't. I just. It's hard for me to like put my finger on it, but like I just always felt like, you know, whether it was movies, whether it was like you know things that I observed, I just felt like it was something that always stood out to me, no matter mm-hmm. what I was doing or where I was. Like I was always thinking about like, you know, gender and and status and things like that. It was just something that always resonated with me for whatever reason how was that jump with with what you all the knowledge that you acquired and, and the experience and the the world experience how was that i don't know if we we got into kind of like that jump the specific jump into when you started like jujitsu because mm-hmm. we, we we i think we surface touched it of kind of like oh you know it, it's not the most well-known thing it's also one of those things where it's like not it's very close contact was there was there anything else as far as uh if, even if you had to offer advice for for women who are even like thinking about getting mm-hmm, into it, mm-hmm. what would I say? What do you mean? Um, any advice or any, any story or any preconceived notions that like you had or new theories that you drew up as you started going through right. uh, your experience? Well, for me, I don't think I had any. I I knew what it was all about because of my dad. Like mm-hmm. I said, he was a big martial artist, so I I, I knew like what I was getting myself into. Um, but I think that there's something really empowering about being in this situation where you are, you know, grappling with a guy and, you know, maybe you are, get yourself into a position where you can submit them or mm-hmm. you just, even if you don't win, even not win, even if you, you know, end up tapping out or something like that, which I do on a daily basis, <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's just like something really inexplicably empowering about it. Like I can't put my finger on it directly, but I think it's like the mm. sense of you can learn how to control your body and mm. do things with it to protect yourself to, you know, um, it's just, it's, did you, did you do any other sports like one-on-one sport or, or team organized sports prior? Um, I, well, I played soccer mm-hmm. uh, throughout, like up until like the middle of high school when mm-hmm. I got too cool for everything. I just, you know, I started wearing <laughs> black and hanging ah! out. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Go down that track just a little bit. Yeah. We'll, co- we'll come back. All right. I, I'm writing it down. All right. All black. Go ahead. Goth face. Go for it. Go. No. Wait, what are we talking about now? Yeah, so so no, I was I was a gymnast for a long time, so that's like my my flexibility I think goes way back. I was really pretty talented at that. Oh, okay. You know, I was good at like parallel bars and all kinds of like floor based, you know. Mm-hmm. This was th- that's things. good for like like in, in individual like it's against yourself. Like you have to like yeah, discipline yourself it was, in it because it was, you're not 
actively fighting oh, no, against there's them. no there's no but team is, really. yeah. i mean you're on the theoretically like i competed mm-hmm. on a team but there's no real team you're just winning and then if you win your team does better you know if you do good and you're you know let's say you do great parallel bars routine or something mm-hmm. you don't fall off and like impale yourself you know <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> you you know you get like whatever points like eight points seven points <laughs> and you didn't impale yourself good job or just like take the bar you know like like you're reaching for it but you take a bite of it instead no, oh you know? geez. Um, I had a bunch of crazy things happen. Uh-huh. Nothing terrible, but like, you know, it is pretty easy. You fall off a balance beam. It's just, it's all painful. You know, you can break an arm. It's only what, like three inches, like in, in, in oh, width, yeah. right? It's oh, so Jesus. terrifying. That's why you have to be young to do it. Like you have to be like, mm-hmm. not young, like as a teenager, you're going to be like a little kid because mm-hmm. before your brain can comprehend, okay. hey, I shouldn't do a cartwheel on this <laughs> or like a round off or a fucking like somersault on the top of the self-preservation <laughs> starts kicking in. Like, like, holy I shit, I, I can do <laughs> I could get seriously injured doing this. Um, that's why it's good you start when you're a little kid because uh-huh. you have no sense of fear and everything mm. is possible. <laughs> and you transition from that into the into the wearing all black phase. Oh, Did you listen God. to Linkin Park as well too? Uh, is that yeah, what? Oh, so <laughs> shitty. I hate. <laughs> I <was kidding. laughs> no, I wasn't. No, actually, that was not my top thing. It oh, really okay, was not. Okay, like okay. I really didn't like that. My my friends did. I I was uh-huh. not into it um, so much. But um, yeah, I had like a little like. And it wasn't goth. Uh, like, it was, like, you know, a little punk kind of phase. I had these very, like, extremely high Steve Madden platforms that had, like, <laughs> no differentiation between the front and back. It was just, like, a giant, like, piece of, like, brick I was walking mm-hmm. on. Um, and I had, like, five pairs because I could never be without the high shoes. Mm. So, you know. and then I was a metalhead. <laughs> really? I, what did the that hair, entail for the you? Hair, oh, was, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, having to wear the Metallica shirt. Having to, you know, spike my hair up. Oh, God. You know? I had to be like, oh, other music sucks. Metal's the best, <laughs> you know. That anyway. What were your so like? What were your top bands? Oh, it was it was Metallica. It was Megadeth. It was Slayer. Just your typical ones. Your speed metal, thrash metal. You know, everything's got to have a solo. <laughs> like all 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 that. <laughs> My stuff. husband's really into that. Really, I can't like we can't drive together in the car without <laughs> having a fight. Like we'll like be pulling each other's fingers away from like the like the the, the play button on the Spotify. I'm just like so he's into all the the virtuosic uh, guitar stuff, and you are into. What am I? I don't. Even, sometimes I feel like I'm just in, not the virtual. Just guitar not stuff. that. Like I have a, like a lot of like my music taste is actually extremely diverse. Like I'll listen to a lot of different things, mm-hmm. but he that is one thing that I just can't deal with <laughs> i don't you can't even tolerate it. it's just like oh, it, not yeah. around me do it on your own um, oh my god there's this one band i like i'm having a blank um it's death metal band it's um are they called death because that's a death metal band yeah no i i i i, I know that actually um <laughs> what is he into he, there's one there's a they're a vegan death metal band from oh i think i've my co-workers may have mentioned this once <laughs> and i just they, i i yeah, I they thought have, they were joking with me, but no, it's yeah. true. And they have this awesome song where they just scream out the codes for um, the when you kill meat, like when you kill a cow, like there's like the uh, beef code that they brand, oh my God. and they're just singing like eight zero. <laughs> and so it's like, and I'm like, I love this song. This is really cool. And he's like, you know, they're just singing about like the code they put on beef after they kill animals, and I'm like. Oh. oh, everyone, please, after this podcast is over, Google it. <laughs> Just Google it. Or this you'll, will you'll be find when, it. When, when Erica uh, eventually transitions to mixed martial arts, right? <laughs> and then she has her UFC entrance music. It will be that song. It will be that song. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll be like, I'll break God. a chair before I get on the stage. <laughs> <sighs> 
<laughs> How did we get down this path? I don't know. <laughs> I think we were we were we were just starting to ask a bit about like what happened where it started driving. <laughs> oh, uh, a bit more with how. <laughs> You were noticing like social norms or something with jujitsu, yeah, and coming in as as women, but somehow it got into vegan death metal. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Even though we did get off topic, I think what the the (laughs) the common thing that uh, throughout that that wasn't a tangent. We were talking about vegan death metal. Valid topic of conversation. But all of it is related to as uh, we we were just um, discussing a bit that. Uh, everything that you've been doing so so far is because of, in a way, knowing yourself, knowing that what what your passion is, mm-hmm. knowing what is quote right, and and a lot of your actions are kind of like derived from that. Unless you had another story of, of kind of like quote knowing yourself. <laughs> well, I guess I wouldn't call it like you know knowing yourself in the sense of like. It's, it's a tangential story, but I think it also... Oh, these are, those are the best times. <laughs> so I would also... So I think, like, knowing yourself can be knowing yourself, like we're talking about with jujitsu, challenging yourself and mm-hmm. just figure out who you are through, like, you know, physical stuff as well as mental challenges. Um, but I guess on a lighter note, I guess one of the times when I really felt like I, I really tapped into that, like, who are you kind of thing? Like, what are you really capable of? It goes back on um, 2012. My husband and I had just gotten engaged. Mm. And so um, he's United States citizen. When he, he's from, from, you know, he lives in Boston now. Like, was from Boston when we, whatever. Um, lives with me now in New Jersey. <laughs> but um, <laughs> at any rate, um, his, his, family is from this like really remote italian village in um uh, southeast italy Mm -hmm. and so like when i say remote (coughs) it's like kind of to the point where um you don't even know if there's like a hospital nearby like one of the first things you're taking inventory of like at least for me being a doctor's daughter i'm like what would happen if like something (laughs) bad happened to me like where would i go and then you see the cemetery up on the hill you're like okay i get it i get the whole cycle here um (laughs) we're just dealing with whatever life gives us and we're gonna you know whatever (laughs) so he it's beautiful though it's very quiet really Mm -hmm. peaceful whatever and he um his his parents have had this house and their family forever and even though everyone lives in america now they they've kept it and so we go back in the summers and we open it up and people take care of it during the year but you know it's it belongs to them so at any rate make a long story short we come back this is my first time i've been to italy many times but first time meeting his like the villagers he's like related to everyone in town and like you know um we were making this like almost like big coming out kind of thing like we're engaged and it was you know gonna be a nice wow. thing but everyone was gonna definitely be in our business and be excited about it so um when you say it's a, a villager you're talking like you can count like in the hundreds yeah oh wow yeah um, I would say I, I don't have a good estimate right now of exactly mm-hmm. how many people. Definitely less than a thousand though, right? Probably. I mean, it, it the ebbs and flows the population. Okay. In the summer in Italy, everyone has off for the month of August, which is mm. really cool. We should totally have that in the United <laughs> States. Like it's too hot to work. It's just everyone goes back to like, let's say you live in Rome and you yes. work in Rome and you're in your thirties or whatever. You come back to your village in the in the summertime so you go back kind of to where you're from mm-hmm. and so that's how his village is all the young people in their 20s and 30s and 40s you know they come back from wherever whatever city they've been living and working in to visit their parents visit their grandparents whatever i like how you included 40s <laughs> as young people that's that's nice to know i think so me. i think it's <laughs> coming, <enough>. coming up <laughs> <laughs> 40 is the new 20 okay so um <laughs> said all 40 year olds <laughs> <laughs> just gotta keep believing you know as you get older yes. i'm like I'm like 32 now. I'm like, I'm so old. But then I like, you know, think about 
I don't know. Like maybe it's like the new 15. <laughs> if you just cut it in half. <laughs> I just keep cutting the age in half. It's the only way to keep going. Like people in jujitsu always talk about how they're so old. Like Mario was complaining. He's like, I'm 25. Everything hurts. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Did you do that, Mario? I'm, so, I'm, I'm referring to you directly because I know you're listening. 25? Really? <laughs> he was like Come saying on. something yesterday. He's like, oh man, as I get older, everything starts hurting. And I just, I think about all the cognitive dissonance I have in my own brain where I'm like, I don't have pain. I'm not old. My body feels just as good as it did when I was 15. So. Not not everyone can be as yoga and vegan centric. Well, I don't no, know. No, it's about delusional vegan. thinking. It's delusional. Okay. <laughs> No, I, I share with Mario the, the joke that every year, for, for, for especially in jiu-jitsu, every year above 25 is an extra 10 minutes of stretching or warm-up. So <laughs> Yeah. And everyone come to yoga on that note. <laughs> anyway. Yes, Erica teaches uh, a wonderful <laughs> yoga class. It's which teaching. which which uh, Jess comes home from? She's like, I'm hurting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was like, I'm, I do yoga every once every three years, and I can't say I like it any more than I did before. I'm like, okay, whatever, never come again. But <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm sorry for taking us down the age tangent. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, the the young 20s, 30s, and 40s coming back. Oh yeah, so so basically, um, we did we got engaged in August. We went back to the village. It was a nice time of year to go back to meet everyone because mm. it means everyone will be home. So. Um, Drinking is a big thing there and eating. So mm. as to be expected, it goes hand in hand. Um, you kind of go there and like... I'm already you just loving this village. <laughs> give your liver a blessing before you enter. Because <laughs> there's no doctor. So you'll be, <laughs> you're on your own. There's a cemetery though. So um, anyway, so um, then we get in there and I... I grew up my grandfather is sicilian so he spoke a sicilian dialect i speak spanish and my dad speaks spanish and i'm very i'm very i'm a very confused jersey italian so <laughs> i don't speak the greatest of italian but i understand a lot of it so he's kind of taking me around we're talking to people i'm speaking mm. espalian that's what i call it. it's a mixture <sighs> hybrid of spanish and italian i'm like the definitely from new jersey i have the i have like the lineage i have the last name but i don't have the goods really so i got you so i'm trying to impress everyone mm. and Someone tells me, I understand almost everything in Italian. Someone's like, oh, there's a big 5K, you know, a few days from now. And um, do you run? Because apparently, like, everyone in the village is, like, going to take part in some way. And there's, like, a big party after the run with more food and, like, drinking in the piazza. So I'm like, of course. Wow. And I don't have sneakers at this point. I don't even have <laughs> gym clothes. So I go to his cousin. I'm like, listen. Are you a long-distance runner? I, I got really into it. I, I run a, a, like a little bit now. like but Okay, I, so it's I, not like you never did it before. I did the half marathon, yeah, oh, around okay. the same time. So I had been running a lot. So it was good. It wasn't like okay. I just got up off the couch and decided that I would do this crazy thing that yes. I was not qualified. Um, but his cousin is um or one of his extended family members is in the italian army and so i'm like oh this girl definitely has shoes and like something for me to wear because i came with like you know mm -hmm. nice clothes and i'm like shit i just i just signed up oh, to Jesus. run a 5k there's not a sign up i just told them i was doing it and then they're like oh alessandro my husband alessandro his his um his fiance is gonna run this 5k and then sooner like than we knew everyone in the village is like erica who's gonna run she's a runner she's a runner erica's a marathon runner and the whole thing like italians we love to talk and like we exaggerate oh, this, this everything spread. this went viral this went viral and like via word of mouth yeah there, not for, via twitter <laughs> yeah, just, just in a village there was no hashtag so by the time i met like um some of his more 
important family mm. members. I'm like, Erica, the runner. It was just like, so the expectations were now like through the roof at this point. You, that's your new nickname. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu too. It's just Erica, the runner. The runner. It's like, and it's like, a can lie. I just, can I just be some Jiu-Jitsu? No, you're a runner. <laughs> that's like, and that's the thing, like in those like cultures, like people just like latch on to like whatever they think it is that defines you. They don't even need to know you first. Like it's just a suggestion that becomes a story. Oh. And yep. So by by the end of that like first day there, I still have jet lag. I'm running a five k. I'm like, what's going on? You know. So at any rate, so the five k is like whatever. And two days later, and the night before, we get invited to um his one of his really really close family members' houses, mm-hmm. and he's like, the one thing you can never do here is like say no to food. It is the most Uh-oh. insulting thing. And I was like, all right, well you know I'm gonna run tomorrow. I gotta be like you know up early, so no no real drinking, and I'm gonna like you know have nice carb loading, and we'll go to bed. We end up going over to this family member's house and there is not just dinner it is like a whole feast mm. i was like who is all this food for you know and it was for erica the runner it was for erica oh. she's like you're running tomorrow <laughs> she's like oh she has to eat she's running tomorrow I'm like so so i'm sitting there and like we start off with like you know a seafood thing oh. and we move on to other different it was mm. so many like my tagline for the night was like we ate all the fish in the sea <laughs> And then we moved on to the land and then we moved on to oh. carbs finally. And then there was dessert. And with every course, like literally there had to be about 10 courses. So Jesus. drank alcohol with every course of the meal. So we're just drinking all this wine and then with dessert, it was sparkling wine. And then there's this thing called limoncello, which is, I'm sure you've heard it's like a lemon liqueur. It's like almost like, um, if you think about Everclear, you can make oh. this with Everclear. You know? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I haven't heard of Everclear since college. I know, I know. <laughs> It's like basically they sell grain alcohol. It's like oh. ninety proof alcohol, mm. and like you um, so you use it to um um you know start uh, cars and start cars. If you, if, <laughs> if you get a bullet wound, you know in the movies that's what they pour on it. Yeah. Yes, it's a good astringent. Uh. You can clean wounds with it. Absolutely. Mm. So they make um a lemon flavored liqueur out of this pure grain alcohol, and it's just deadly. Oh. Then I was like, okay. Deadly I, as in the fact that it's actually tastes really good. It tastes really good, yeah. And so it's you're like, proof. oh, I'd have another oh. shot of that. So by the end of dinner, Shit. I'm pretty tanked. I'm also full of food. Oh. His cousin it kind of cancels out, right? No? Oh, no, yeah. But then to make matters <laughs> That's worse. That's the myth. <laughs> exactly. It's like, if I just keep eating, I won't feel it. <laughs> um, make matters worse. Yeah, so to make matters worse, his cousin, there's like this little bar at the edge of town. Not that town's very big, but, you know, it's like a little road stop bar. And he's like, oh, my friend, I have to take you. They have a special Prosecco, which is like Italian champagne. So he's like, we're going to go have that. So we go down Hmm. there, and now we're drinking bottles of champagne. I wake up the next day. Mm. I'm pretty sure it's the last day of my life. Mm. And so I, I'm like, shit, the 5K. The 5K is today. Um, and then I'm like, just just to be sure, there really is no hospital here. Like, <laughs> is that not going to happen? So I have my, my borrowed gym uh, clothes with, like, the European sneakers. Like, things are just different there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, they're just not as, like... Did they fit? They fit ish you know, oh, geez. they were a little big. Oh, and no. then I have on these ridiculously short shorts that I borrowed from his cousin <laughs> and they're just inappropriate. And I'm like, <laughs> what were all the other runners wearing? Oh, I, like, um, like leisure shoes and like, you know, <laughs> stretchy jeans, like a lot of old people who were also in this too. Um, and then 
whatever. So, so I was like, I don't know if I can, I would tell my husband, I think I should get out of this. Like, I don't think I'm well, (laughs) I don't think I'm well enough. Like, you know, I still smell of alcohol. Like it's coming out my pores. And he's like, no, you, you have to do this. Everyone knows that you're the runner. And I was like, but I can't. I'm like, what if I die? Like, what if I pass out? Wait, what was his thing? He's just like, don't embarrass me now. (laughs) He was, no, he was just kind of like, you're running. He's like, everyone thinks you're running. And I was like, oh God, I have to run. So from, I called my mother. I had like international calling and I was like, you know, I don't really want to be using this, but I totally called my mom. Like, mom, I don't feel okay. And I have to do this like incredible, like physical feat. And I think, <laughs> I just don't know. And she's like, what are you saying? I'm like, I just want to tell you, I love you. <laughs> but, Did you don't think you're going to make it? I don't know. I was, I was, that was my thing. I was like, I just got to call my mom one last time. So I, you know, <laughs> okay so i ended up so whatever strength i had left in me this is where it all comes together Hmm. you know you just gotta know yourself and you committed to doing something and you know something good could come out of it you gotta live up to i don't know you know you should never live up to expectations of you but i wanted to do it that's the other point is that like no matter what anyone said like i was also going to do this because i wanted Uh to so i start running and i actually there's like these spots you see when you get really dehydrated like there are little like specks in your vision and i was like i'm gonna pass out but from some unknown place as soon as i passed the cemetery i just got this amazing second wind like i wanted to live and Fuck, no i'm not good it's not today's not the day today was not the day it's so, not the second wind. it's the second wind plus i am not dying right like, and i ended wow. up coming in um for the women that ran the race they kept track by gender mm-hmm. i guess i came in second place oh and so I, I won a bottle of wine <laughs> and a sack of pasta and then as soon as we, run, we finished running, we ran into lunch in the piazza, which was lots of free wine and oh. more sausage and cavatelli. And I was just like, I'm going to go throw up in the fountain. Oh, because, my God. <laughs> but, wow. So I did the only logical thing that you can do mm-hmm. is, is continue to get second day drunk and drink. Second day drunk. Yeah. Mm. Sausage and, and pasta it was just. This is next. not just any second day drunk, people. This is second day <laughs> drunk after running a, uh, a 5K with right. a with a gonna gonna die there's a convenient cemetery uh hangover right because at one point there's that there was a doctor who was in town like i guess like a house doctor in case you needed did you ask him where are you coming from no like no we were trying to find my dad my my husband was like his dad said oh you know like um there's a doctor who makes house calls and then i had said oh which house does he live in and and um that was after the run i was still feeling like garbage and i was like well just for reference like where which house does he live in the villagers couldn't decide if he had gone to the beach or if he had died himself. So What? what? <laughs> two options. <laughs> but, Wait, how does he die himself? Well, he just was either he had passed away and no one could remember, or if he had gone to the beach for the summer. So, <laughs> there hey, was a, talk? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like, no, really, we don't know. You see that cemetery over there? We, we really don't. <laughs> but... And it just turned wow. in. Yeah. So I ended up surviving and like <laughs> just ending up living living up to my hashtag. Like, you know. Yes. <laughs> and people were just like and then when we said goodbye at the village, we went on to Rome for the rest of our vacation and like they're like, Erica's amazing, she's so strong, she's a runner. And I was like, You bet. And no one had to know the real truth, which was that, you know. I was on the edge of, of life and death, but... Well, we, we'll make sure... Do they get podcasts out in that village, you know? <laughs> I'm sure they could. I'm pretty sure, they, you know, with the... <laughs> no one speaks English anyway, it's okay. So. Oh, my goodness. But that's that's one hell of a story. 
but and that's probably the best way to to and to wrap it up to wrap it up <laughs> so um yeah so i think if i have any parting advice for mm. the dear warren podcast is that you know sometimes taking the garden path in life and not being on the straight and narrow ends up getting you further you know sometimes taking that detour through a 10 course meal ends up you mm-hmm. know, end up coming second place in the 5k you're not so, getting smashed know. warren you're not getting smashed <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but if you do it's okay just know that there are you you can push through certain human li- uh, you can push through li- all the limitations I think I have a a, a, a question about that. How did, how did they know you came in? Because obviously, whenever, whenever anyone runs around here, they always have like those electronic trackers. Oh, you, can, you can track where you Wait, are on an app. You did know, they, they did actually. Oh, you they, know what? I am. I'm not thinking clearly. I do remember getting a number, and for some reason, oh, you got they, a bib, and it was electronic. Yeah, and it was somehow like they just didn't have a hospital. They didn't have. Did a they hospital. have a medic or any like they people in big, case? <laughs> the big thing in Italy is like always a guy in like some sort of like fluorescent vest with like um the uh traffic like what do you call yeah. it the reflective mm-hmm. um badges so i don't know what he was there for <laughs> but they had that guy with like a medical container i'm just here to hand out water folks <laughs> <laughs> but they also like they make him look more official that's like a okay. big european thing to like give him like the vest with the fluorescent badges yeah so the, he was there it made me feel better physically to see that but i i don't think he could have helped me <laughs> Oh my God! Yes, that is wonderful advice. <laughs> so yeah, don't trust the guy with the fluorescent badges. Don't get drunk, and everything will be okay. Oh. And follow your heart, you know. <laughs> oh my God! Hold on, I'm I'm still recovering from the laughing. Oh, anyways, thank you so much, Erica, for being on and well, sharing you. all these experiences and 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 the wonderful stories. And once again. Congratulations on that blue belt. As it, it, it that will probably start sending you down uh, another path. We don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe it'll be a uh, uh, fight Erica fight in like <laughs> uh, a, a world competition eventually oh one day. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And that's it, everyone. Thank you to Erica for sharing her experiences with us on the podcast. And we hope you all have enjoyed, had fun, and thank you for tuning in. Uh, as always, you can get in touch with us at Dear Warren Podcast on Gmail, Instagram, and on Facebook, or just pull me aside or just aside and uh, let us know what you think. Thank you for listening and all the support. We love you all and see you next time. <laughs>